Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm Simon Sweetman. I'm your host, and this is episode 122, a conversation with a Wellington author, Pip Adam. Now, uh, she's written three books, a book of short stories and two novels. Most recently, she won the, the big prize, the top New Zealand Literary Award, the Ockham Prize, for her most recent novel. So, uh, obviously, we talk about that. But, funnily enough, Pip is, um, how do I put this, she's, in terms of, it's taken the longest amount of time to get her on the podcast, given how close she lives to, to me and where I record the podcast. She's pretty much my neighbour. She lives uh, a handful of houses down the road. And so, again, we'd sort of talked about doing this at some point and then it just sort of fell away. Well, I guess we're both busy. Uh, she's very busy. She's a teacher. She's a mother. She's a writer. Uh, and she's got her own great podcast. She's got a podcast which I appeared on a, a year or so ago, and I'll, I'll include a link in the notes for this to that. Uh, but her podcast, she talks to people about books. It's called Better Off Red, and uh, and that's well worth a listen. So, uh, yeah, we finally sat down for a chat, talked about her uh, fantastic prize, her well-deserved, well-earned prize, and uh, her future writing and um, and everything that's gone into the three books to date. And, uh, and uh, you know, I know Pip pretty well since living in the neighbourhood and I've been a fan of her work since before I met her so um, it was great to kind of finally sit down and, and, and record a conversation together um, so I hope you enjoy this this is me talking with the uh, Wellington writer Pip Adam and thanks as always to Tea Leaf Tea, Le Petit Chocolat and Yeasty Boys yeah, really weird. Um, <laughs> Too weird. Really? <laughs> oh, not really. I mean, it's been I mean, it's great. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's been awesome, but it's just, yeah, it's just that. It was real weird in Auckland because there was this tiny little microcosm of people who knew who I was because mm. the Writers' Festival, you know, they mm, were just... Mm, and mm. it was real weird because there was only one photo of me out which had long hair and I was yeah. just like... <laughs> Fine. And then there was another photo with me with short hair, and it's like, damn it! <laughs> um, when did you find out? Do you find out when it's? Do you only find out when it gets yeah. announced? Yeah. So it's knife edge stuff. You're sitting there going, oh. or whatever. You fold yourself into yeah, yeah. whatever version of. Well, yeah. look, all the best for whoever wins. Yeah, and like then you have to find a way through it. <laughs> so what? What's your re- immediate reaction? Are you like? Um, because it's the Oscars for people who write books in New Zealand. There's no... No, it is. It is. You know, it is. It is. Um, I don't know. Like, I'd sort of... Um, I was really convinced I wouldn't win. Like, I know everybody says that, but I just thought Daniel's book was so great and Annalise's book was so great. And I just thought the mm. other books were way better. And I... Th- yeah, and so I just convinced myself I wouldn't win. And mm. then... Um, yeah, and it was such a nice night. That was the weird thing, is I was really enjoying kind of the poetry reading right. and celebrate you know yeah, I totally yeah, yeah. forgot that we had to read like I was just like yay this is yeah. awesome and then they said oh time to read and that I I feel nervous reading anyway so that was just terrible and then yeah and like I think I don't think I actually heard my name actually and I was just clapping because mm. I thought oh someone's won yay and then Fergus was standing up and sort of saying come on and I was like oh no I don't think so and he was like no they just and he was pointing up and yeah there was a photo and then I came on stage and then I just suddenly thought oh that photo doesn't look like me they're gonna have to like escort me off stage as some wandering woman or something <laughs> like you know some poor woman yeah. who's accidentally come on stage so yeah it was real it was so strange like it was really strange and not very believable either like yeah, it took a long time to sink in, kind of. Yeah. It was weird. It was a weird. long time, days. 
Well, even now, sometimes, yeah, yeah, like yeah. even now, I sort of think, oh, that was so great how someone won that prize. And then I'm like, oh, that's it was, right. It was that's, me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's weird. It's well, weird. you're, um, I mean, you've written a book that um, rather than win the big award in New Zealand literature, and another very possible option for this book would be for a publisher to say, I can't deal with that. I'm not, you know, it's an amazing book, but that, and that's one of the things I found most amazing about it was I, I started reading it a while ago and then I held off because I wanted to read it really mm. close to talking to you because yeah. we've been talking about doing this for a while. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so, and then, you know, and then I wanted to leave it for a bit after it won the award because I was yeah. like, oh no, too much. <laughs> you know, I want to read it. I want to try and forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, although it's hard to, and then read it. And so I finally finished reading it, and I just went, wow, one of the most amazing things about this winning, to me, about this winning that award, is that it could so easily have been the sort of book a publisher would just go, no thanks, mm. that's outside our... <laughs> and I th I think that's probably a big part of why a load of people have just been like, this is particularly awesome that, that it won. Mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean around all that? I think I do. Like I, I'm always grateful, always grateful to like Fergus and everyone at VUP. Um, um, and yeah, like the great. I think one of the things what I, I feel like the, the thing that was really purely happy making. Like one of the moments in this book's life that was really uncomplicatedly happy was that I sent it to Fergus one Friday morning it was about 10 a.m. I didn't think yeah I didn't I really expected that would be the book that he said oh yeah no mm. please no <laughs> like no um or can we just keep the first half or can we just keep the second half or you know is there something different you could write and I thought this was it and then at, it was about 11.30 or 12 o'clock that night mm. I got a text from him or it might have been an email just sort of saying it's incredible I love it and I was just that was really uncomplicated joy mm. with that mm. and I just yeah because I really respect his reading and I like I say I was so sure that it wasn't going to be publishable like I just thought I don't. I think I'm the. I've. I've got so close to it as well that I. I. I often feel like the only person I'm kind of entertaining is me. Mm. You know. So yeah, it was. That was. I am really grateful for that. And um, they've always taken a risk on me though, right from the first book. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was gonna say your. Um, well, when you when you said when you said you thought this was gonna be the book that he, <laughs> you know, I could that could have been the response to the second book. Yeah. And certainly after the second book, it could be like, oh, can you just do some conventional narrative <laughs> for a bit? <laughs> it's so true. And even the first book, like I remember, mm. um, like I took the short stories to Fergus and um, he's so, like, we talked a lot, like he's an incredible reader. Um, and, and we talked a lot about how the stories don't resolve. And we talked mm. a lot about how, no one really gets their comeuppance and yeah just stuff like that and um you know like for ages we were back and forward on it like he was like maybe you could just publish them as chapbooks you know maybe mm. each story could be a chapbook maybe we could do like a mini taster of them you know da da da, da. and like yeah so even on that first book it was a real risk like mm. it didn't seem straightforward and then you know like some of the reviews kind of reflected that um that worry so yeah I mean yeah. right from the start and then the second one of course you know like the novel 
I don't know. Yeah, I just feel so grateful that he... Because I do feel like that was a chance. Mm. And he often... He he often jokes with me because he'll say to me things like, oh, it's a difficult book. And I'll go, oh, really? You know, like... Yeah. And he'll like, you fucking love it. You know, like... And yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, mm, yeah. all right. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was... I am really grateful. Like, I mean, it's, it's a gift. Yeah, yeah. Well, um... We've probably talked a tiny bit about this already off off tape at some point, but uh, and we'll, we'll, there's many places I want to go. But um, do you? F- I know you. Obviously, it, it seems silly to mention to a writer that you're aware they read heaps. I know you read heaps, but I feel like a lot of your writing is more influenced by film than than by other literature. Mm, yeah, I think that's really true. Um, yeah. That's really true. And maybe not even film, just image mm, as well. Like mm. image, like... Um, I really well, I'm including TV and yeah, film now yeah, because we, yeah. we, we oh, watch TV, TV in that way. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, I think that's where I get a lot of um, sort of the narrative shape of things is from TV and film. And then, you know, I really love photography. Like photography mm-hmm. is one of my favourite art forms. And, um, you know, often things will come in still images and... Um, I remember, I think that's how I learned to write. Like, I can remember being really young and thinking, oh, how do you write a scene? And I thought, oh, you play it out in your head like a TV show and then you write it down. Because, mm. you know, I didn't read a lot as a kid. You know, I wasn't I wasn't one of those kids that read. Um, I don't know. Um, we did have books at home. We, we, you know, there were books at home, but I just loved television. Like, I loved television so mm. much. Like, if I could have, I would have watched television 24 hours a day. I just now you loved can. it. And now I can. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, so I think film and TV is just huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and fashion, obviously, which, yeah. you know, is a big part of what the, the current book. Yeah. I'm obsessed with fashion as well. Like, just because I, I really... Um, and I mean, I know I don't dress like it. It's really scary saying, I'm obsessed with fashion. Because I know my, I don't dress like that. But I just, um, I'm really interested in design. I'm really interested in that point where something goes from being sculpture to chair. Or something goes mm. from being textile design to skirt. Um, and I'm really interested in that idea of putting art to use in that way. So mm. fashion, just, you know, I just love it. Mm, yeah. mm. I'm trying to work out how... Um how and and where and when we we sort of first met or became aware because I feel like we we did the the now pretty normal thing of probably meeting online first and I'm not really sure how that happened but I do remember having a series of conversations with you about movies like the bling ring and yeah. and spring breakers yeah. and and st- <laughs> and stuff like that and possibly Carl was involved yeah. in in some of yeah. that stuff and I'm not sure if I'd met you before then. And then at some point we worked out we lived in the same street. Yeah. And and just a few <laughs> houses apart, which which makes you the the podcast guest that's taken the longest to come on here, given your proximity <laughs> yeah. to to where I record them. Um, and in fact, I was a guest on your podcast, and mm. that was a long time ago now, mm, well yeah. over a year ago. It was summer. To, yeah, it was, I think, yeah, the, pr- the previous one. <laughs> yeah. And Wellington summers always seem like they take a long time to arrive. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and we talked a bit about Leonard Cohen and stuff, which was fun. And I had been listening to your podcast, which I like a lot. Um, so I guess, yeah, and then, we, you know, we have kids at the same school, they're mm. years apart. But mm. um, I guess that's how we 
found out about each other, but I had read your stuff. I had read mm. your short stories, and which I loved. And you were involved in the um, IIML as were you like sending out emails and stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, yeah. I don't know what the, that's not the job. No, administrator no, or admin, something, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, it yeah, yeah. Be, it might actually be. Um, yeah email person so right, I yeah, think that, that'd be a good job for me uh, yeah 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 I like that job I think I could do that I'd like that job yeah. yeah yeah so I don't know if maybe that's where I that and, and the first book is where I became aware of you but anyway so I've I've known your work since then and um, but I want to I, I want to go I mean you mentioned a little bit about childhood I we had to start by talking about the prize and the new book and we'll come yeah. back to that but can we go back to sort of what was happening for you as a child? Now, you're, you grew up in Auckland? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Glen Innes. Yeah. Um, well, it was kind of border, like, Glen Innes, Koemirima, so it was real eastern suburbs Auckland, which mm-hmm. is, like, not really the cool part. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, that's where I grew up. I grew up there. We moved there when I was three years old. Um, my grandmother, my mum and my dad and my little brother and me. Actually, was he around? I'm pretty sure he was around. We're three years different. So yeah, I grew up there, went to St. Thomas's Primary School, which was very cool. And yeah, so I grew up around there and then went to high school there as well. We went to Selwyn College, which was just, yeah, it was um, an amazing place to go. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was really ridiculous how many famous people were there when I was there. And yeah, and then... That, were, that went on to be famous? Or that no, were, were famous at the time. Like, where Danielle Cormack was there. Right. And, you know, like, people that were actually on TV and right, movies right. and stuff. And, yeah. um, um, you know, there were a few very famous artists kids there. And yeah, it was every... Yeah, it was a really... Um, it was a real... Um, what's the word? It was sort of like a real promoter of dissatisfaction, I think. Right. You know, like, yeah, yeah. You know, we, I was sort of living this very sort of suburban life. And, and you know, there were some moments of, that were incredible. Like, my dad worked for TVNZ and um, he used to play soccer with Ray Wolf and stuff like that. But right. I was kind of obsessed with this Ponsonby life, you know, that mm. there was an inner city life. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was there. Then I left school, became a hairdresser. And then I left... Um, Auckland, yeah. So that was kind of, yeah, sorry, I've gone past childhood. No, no, that's, <laughs> you, well, you, you mentioned um, that books were around, but you, you didn't class yourself as like a giant, voracious reader. No, I couldn't see the magic in it when we had TV. Like, mm-hmm. I really loved, um, you know, like, I loved Charlie's Angels, and I loved the Rockford Files, and, you know, Wonderful World of Disney, which used to be on on Sunday nights. Mm. I loved, you know, like, um, Ollie Olsen used to be on after school, and, like, I just, I just freaking loved television. I yeah. loved it so much, and, um, yeah, I just loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, I used to. It used to drive me crazy when teachers at school would talk about the. You'd have those classic. I'm sure they're still around and on some level, but those old school teachers that love talking about the idiot box and the. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was really lucky because you know I think because Dad worked in television, it was sort of seen as a viable thing, and you know like I. Yeah, you were. I you know, like I, I think I was just really lucky, and um, you were researching the, yeah, the family re- trade. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I think I was just really lucky you know and um yeah and, and I loved films like later on my dad did a little bit of work for Warner Brothers and um we used to get to go and see preview you know like previews of movies and stuff and you know I remember seeing Purple Rain and you know like I just I just I just loved the movies so much and I mm. loved TV so much I just yeah it was great so when does um when does the idea of writing or thinking about what goes into TV and 
you know, when does that, you know, obviously your dad is involved, but when does it cement in any way for you? I'm not sure. Um, my parents gave me a typewriter for Christmas. Oh, I mean Santa. Whoops. Yeah. Um, I got a typewriter for Christmas one year. Um, I think I might have been about eight or nine. And um, I think, it, like in those days, there were jobs and typing pools and stuff like that. And um, my mum thought it was a really good idea to learn to touch type, which I think has been fantastic. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we did typing at Salmon College as well, and I just think it's one of the best things we've ever learned. Um, and I got this typewriter, and I remember typing up because there's nothing, to, you know, like I could copy things, but mm. I started writing, and I remember writing a script, um, like, I don't even know how I knew, oh, I knew from plays in the school journal, so, you know, I wrote up this dialogue script, and I thought, oh, that's interesting, but then I just left it alone, and then when I was in about third form, I don't know what year that is, you know, first year of high school, um, I met these guys that were very into, like, beat poetry, and William Burroughs, and and they sort of had this air about them. <laughs> they were like, you remember mods? Mm. Like they were just so freaking cool. They had like the whale tail jackets and the scooters, and I just thought they were awesome. But they were also into poetry, and I just thought, oh, I'm going to be a poet, you know. And I think I dressed like a poet for a few years, but never wrote anything. <laughs> you know, like I liked the idea of being a poet, but yeah. And then yeah, and then it wasn't probably wasn't until I left school really early and you know, didn't read and didn't write for years. Like, I left when I was about 15 or 16, and then um, at 21 I went back to university, because you can go back to university without any school C. I don't know if you can still do that anymore. And um, that was when I first started thinking, oh, this is what poetry... I could actually write poetry, and that's when I started writing it. So, yeah, that's sort of... Yeah, that's, that's what happened. Um, what did you... What and why did you go to university after... after pulling out? I've got no idea why I went back. I went to a lecture. Um, I've got a really good friend called Caitlin Smith, and um, she was going to university. The singer. Yeah, the singer. The fantastic yeah. singer. The fantastic, amazing yeah. singer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think Caitlin had a bridging year. I think she went slightly later than other people because she might have been overseas, but I... She had this ancient, she had a history lecture. Um, it was ancient history, and I went to that one time because I was at a loose end, had a day off work, and I just thought, "Fuck, you know, university is amazing. Mm. Like someone talks to you and tells you stuff, and it's incredible." So I think that's why I went back. You know, like I thought, I think I just thought I've always been in love with learning, and there was something about it that was just absolutely magnifying. You know, plus I think maybe I don't know maybe it looked like an appealing lifestyle as well I don't know yeah yeah but it was yeah it was um and the great thing was because I was qualified by then like I had my trade cert I could I could have this amazing life where I went to university but was earning a really good wage hairdressing so I had like best of both worlds like I had like my hairdressing friends and we'd go to um, Alfie's and you know like go to the nightclubs and then I had you know the university stuff as well so it was really it was fantastic very good years. Um, what was hairdressing like for you? Oh, I fucking loved it. I loved yeah. it so much. Like um, you sort of you you uh, memorialise isn't quite the word, but yeah. you sort of <laughs> pay tribute to it in, in in the book. Yeah, yeah. I loved hairdressing so much. Like um, I I'd loved school for a long time, but then school started going quite badly, mainly because of me. My behaviour mm. wasn't great, and yeah, I just wasn't really you know, on board with anything, and, um, I just really loved hairdressing, um, I, I just, um, 
I really... What was the introduction to it? Just oh, um, a job came you up. You need to get a job because you don't want to be at school. No, or no, what? it was actually even earlier than that. A job came up at Gustle's um, that was like a after-school shampoo or something. Ah, right, yeah, okay. And like, I was just like, whoa. And I'd had other jobs and I'd been really shit at them. I, I had a job at a bakery and I fucked that up and got fired. And, you know, I'd been really bad at other jobs. <laughs> but there was something about the hairdressing that I really liked. And I think... I think it's to do with that hand-eye stuff, you know, like, yeah. I really like making things, and I like getting dirty, and, you know, like, I just really enjoy, you know, and it's also quite good for someone who's, you know, like, got a low attention span like me as well, you know, like, a haircut takes an hour. Move on, next move person. Move on, next person. New scene. Yeah, new scene, yeah. yeah. So, that's how it started. I got the part-time job, and then an apprenticeship mm-hmm. came up, which was just really, it was just at the perfect time, you know, where school was sort of saying bye and it just worked really well i i feel like and i i don't think i've talked to you about this but i i i know i wanted to i feel like one of the best compliments you've been given as a writer it's on one of the early episodes of your podcast I think you guys, there's a bunch of you go down south. I might have the details not quite right. You're doing some readings. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's a bit of a like an audience Q&A thing. Yeah. And a woman in the audience says something, words to the effect of, how did you, you know, how on earth could you have come up with that stuff about hairdressing? I don't imagine you really know anything much about it. <laughs> and you let her finish and then say, oh, I was a hairdresser for 15 years or, you know, whatever. And I feel, <laughs> no, I feel like that's one of the best compliments that you could yeah. be given as a right because it shows you weren't like just firing out the stuff that you know you you created it as a writer. Obviously, you do have the knowledge you had been there, mm. but it was very believable that, wow, this person has, you know, created this entire world with no prior knowledge. They've gone off and done some research. So I always remember listening to that a long time ago and just thinking, that's amazing. Like, It's one of the big things, though. Don't you find that with your writing? Like, um, how do you embed, you know, the real world? You know, Mm. like, I mean, because I often read your stories and, you know, they have music weaving through them Mm -mm. or, you know, stuff like that. It's really hard not to make it show yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, know I don't know that I know how to do that, actually. Oh, I like, think you're pretty good at it. Well, <laughs> thanks. But, I, you know, I... Yeah, it's something I I think... It's something I definitely was very conscious of, very worried about, and still mm. and still kind of am. Yeah. And I think now I can just sort of... Um, maybe for me, because I'm not really trying to do anything with it but amuse myself. Yeah. You know, I think it's been arriving at that, that I can just sort of go, oh, well, this one is so overt. Yeah. Well, fuck it, that doesn't yeah. matter. And then this one, maybe only I really get what I mean here and maybe only I really get what's real and what's not about this. And that's fine. And also that's actually quite ridiculous to think that other people reading it wouldn't get it. But but all I mean, you know, I don't mean that arrogantly. I just no. mean, I just mean like, it, it's about... Yeah, I have always sort of worried about... You read really good writing and references to music and stuff and you think they've put that in there and they're completely unconcerned with whether their reader fully uh, well I mean you do it in, in New Animals the references to headless chickens and oh, stuff yeah. you Whoops. know <laughs> no no that's no, 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 great like it's like, like obviously uh, it's a New Zealand book it's a New Zealand band you're a New Zealand writer a lot of people reading it are going to immediately get some sort of connection and reference yeah. there. but if they don't it does not matter it's not like it's a, a crucial hinge for the book or anything and to me I wondered for a long time about how you do that like how do you just drop something like that in and not come back and try and explain it mm. 
Because don't you think it's amazing that some of the words we have are perfect? You know, like, mm. that band's called Headless Chickens. Mm. And, like, if you're an alien coming from outer space that can speak English, the term Headless Chicken will mean something mm. that is kind of akin to the band, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, And I think that's what I find incredible. I often talk to people um, about what a gift it is that we have a supermarket in New Zealand called New World. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like, I mean, you know, we just, I just think sometimes these specifics, even if you don't get it, you're mm. kind of like... Oh yeah, you know, like, and I think I often get that with bands. I, I just like I think about oh, because I've been thinking because that gorilla died recently. I've been thinking about Coco. that. Yeah, Coco, poor Coco. Um, I've been thinking about that Amy Hempel um story in the cemetery where Al Jolson's is buried. Buried, I think that's how it's called. But like that, like I knew nothing about Al Jolson. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's something about that name yeah. that headed me in the right direction. Yeah, it yeah, sounded yeah. kind of crooning, it sounded yeah. kind of sad, it sounded so yeah, I just think I just think sometimes when you drop those in it just Yeah. Like they get their own kind of And head, not headless chickens, stunt clown. Yeah. And if you need it or know it, the cover. Mm. Those three things, like yeah. the band album the band name, album name and album cover. They kind of, in the best possible way, tell you everything you need to know about what you're about to hear. Yeah. Which isn't, you know, obviously isn't always the case with music. Yeah. And sometimes it's a nice surprise when it's not like that. But I think, like, you could anticipate the sound based on those things if you're a first-timer totally. to that. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about um, Headless Chicken, Stunt Clown and Expecting to Fly? Oh, because... Because um, only because I heard your talk at Unity and I heard you talking about um, recently, which is also on your podcast oh, if people yeah. want to listen to it, and you mentioned listening to that song quite obsessively over and, over and, over and a cake kitchen one as well, wasn't yeah. it? Um, so yeah, I um, what what I try because I wrote that book in such little like it was really disjointed like it was kind of 15 minutes a day same time every day but I needed to be right in the book straight away right so the song I just I heard that song I wasn't a huge Headless Chickens fan in the day and I I think I went to all of you know I would always go and see them but it was often because a friend was playing or you know Mm. something around them just part of the scene yeah just part of the scene and like um, that album you know I had a copy of it on vinyl you know like I loved it but I just I didn't it wasn't sort of one of those seminal mm. you know like like say the Gordons or you know mm. like that like Thermos or something you know like it wasn't like one of those seminal kind of albums but I was just listening to it driving home one night and I just thought oh my god this is the song that I need for this so I just would I would sit at my desk turn that song on and just type and then put it on a play and just do it all the time and then as I got towards it's the like a of, hypnosis trigger, yeah, trigger word totally or something like yeah, yeah, yeah. Trigger word. yeah it's yeah. totally like a trigger word it's like yeah. and also like there's a um oh this always sounds lame but like there's a sound that that song makes inside of me separate to that song you know like there's an emotional kind of Mm. resonance that happens and like that was the resonance that I was writing towards so the song helped me write towards that as well like I could Mm. match the writing with the song which was really good but then towards the end of um the book I did move on to the Kate Kitchen song um I freaking I think the Kate Kitchen were just so fucking huge for me when I was a kid like um that EP that's got um, David the Pimp. Is that the song? Yeah, anyway. What is it? Is it Eric the Pimp? Anyway, one of the pumps. Um, like that that album I just played constantly. I think it's called Songs from the Cat Kitchen. But mm. I just played that just constantly. And this was a song off that album. I think it's Tall Time Going Backwards. 
I can't remember the song now, but yeah, it, that I moved more into that Kate Kitchen song. And that was actually, I think, after something Rachel King said on Twitter about it, which reminded me of that song, and I just suddenly thought, oh yeah, it's called Something Comes Today. Anyway, yeah, so like then I moved on to that song. I could sing any song, we can't remember the names, but you know, like I would, I moved to that song and started mm. playing that obsessively mm. as well. So It yeah. sort of speaks to that thing of, um, like what I was trying to get at with the influence of movies and stuff too, yeah. that, that whole sort of writing towards something that isn't just emulating another writer, it's like yeah. creating something that's inspired by, well a type of writing, a version of writing, you know, a songwriter mm. writes a song, but it's not just sitting down like a lot of us do when we first get gifted a typewriter or whatever and we, you know, start copying our favourite writers, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. which, which you, you know, you've been through them, writing classes will tell you at some point that's not a bad thing to do, oh, you know. it's a great thing to do. I was thinking that as well, like, um, I was thinking um, that Fever Ray album was really important um, for the second half of the book and, like, there were a couple of movies that sort of had a slightly... I've always got to be careful that I start to take myself really seriously and I think there were some really useful movies that were a bit um, weird and strange that were really useful as well. Like? Oh no, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> My brain just goes blank whenever yeah. I think about it. I'll tell you what was huge is I went and saw David Byrne. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And like, I, um, we, we, we weren't going to go and we weren't going to go and we weren't going to go. We got the last two tickets in the Michael Fowler Centre and they were the, behind the when stage. When you played at the Arts Festival a few, yeah, yeah that yeah. was great, wasn't yeah. it? So we were behind the stage and right. the shittiest tickets and I just remember thinking, oh, joy is quite powerful as well, you know, and mm. it was just this amazing night and I don't well, know if you, you were there. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like after, in the street afterwards, remember how yeah. everyone was kind of like, Well, not really, kind of. I. <laughs> That was back in the day. I had to like. Oh, run I had to review. I had to go home and I had twelve minutes to oh, write something wow. about it or something for a deadline. Yeah. And yeah. and um, I, but yes, vaguely I do remember a, a sort of real sort of euphoric kind of feeling as we were leaving the the even in the foyer of the venue there was. Uh, you know, I think that because they did that final encore of burning yeah. down the house, which, oh, yeah. which actually people were not ex well. I would assume people were not expecting because it was the um, music of Brian Eno yeah, and David yeah. Byrne, so that wasn't part of the set list. So that was kind of like a bonus encore that they added as the tour went on, and yeah. that was. Normally, I wasn't. You know, I wouldn't say I was necessarily even looking forward to hearing that song, um, but it was just quite amazing. It just kind of was the perfect final sentence. It was you know? just amazing. Like, Will I you just, go and see him again? Oh fuck yeah, we've bought tickets Have already. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was really umming and ahhing. Like I was just mm. like, mm, you've you seen, know. you've yeah. seen some of the footage. That, I mean, it looks oh, amazing. It looks, and yeah. what finally did it is, I've mm. got this friend in England called Elliot, and he, um, he sent me a direct message. There were a couple of photos on Instagram of it. He went to it, and um, he gave me, and like at five o'clock in the morning, I got this message saying. You have to buy David Byrne tickets mm. right now. Mm. It's fucking amazing. And I was just like, mm. oh, okay, radio. So I just went and got them that day. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I'm kind of been a fan of most of the stuff he's done, all the Talking Head stuff and most of his solo things. And I'd always wanted to see him. And I remember that show was, yeah, it was pretty special. And the new one looks amazing. I'm yeah. kind of, if there are still tickets left, I'll, um, I think I'll have to try and I would like save to, for one. I would like to read your review of it as well. Oh. I like you writing about him. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I he's, think it would be yeah. a very good review. Well, he's... Someone uh, should uh, give you um, front row ticket. <laughs> I think that's what you need. Is that well, the TSB Arena? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm, unfortunately, the promoter of this particular show is, is probably the one that I have the longest-running <laughs> huge beef with, of which I still know and I've never really got to the bottom of why it is. But no, they, they certainly won't be giving me to... Even, even your, even your you know, lovely <laughs> little... endorsement. Your lovely little podcast plug there for free tickets for me. They're not going to be listening to this. Oh, and <laughs> and I, you know, I, I've actually, because I don't really review stuff much anymore, mm. I just do things for myself for my site, really, in terms of gigs. I'm really enjoying actually just paying mm. for um, shows I want to see. And I mean, I won't turn down freebies to go and review things, sure, but I'm really enjoying paying for two or three shows a year. And I'm, it's so ingrained in me, I'll still come home and write it. Like mm. last, last year, I bought tickets to. Nick Cave and PJ Harvey awesome. and oh there was something else and then we got given tickets to go and see Patty Smith. Now all there were four shows. Oh James Taylor was the other one that awesome. I bought. Now the, those four shows I didn't need to write anything about. I was basically a, 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 a guest or a paying customer, not a reviewer. Yeah. But I went straight home and wrote about them because that's just what you do when mm. you. That, that's just my part of my way of processing mm. this stuff. Mm. And I think that's what I want to do. You know. I've had a lot of years of quantity in terms yeah. of shows, and now I want quality. I want to just go and see a few special things yeah. and enjoy them. So, you know, we're, we're going over to see Suzanne Vega. She's, oh, they've true. since announced that she's yeah. playing here, but it's a different show. Oh, so good. it's a different, the, it's a full band show in Sydney. Yeah. So I'm going to just, see that. I was just thinking that thing, like, that's another thing that was huge with New Animals was that Fluffy on Stevens concert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. The, um, the most recent one, but the one that was more electronic music. Was that the one in the opera house? Yeah, yeah. And like that... Was that the same festival as David Byrne? It may have, it might been. have been. Yeah, yeah, actually it yeah. may have been. But like, that was huge as well. Yeah. And, like, I totally know what you mean about writing about it. Like, when that was on, Twitter was quite young and I was mm. sort of... You know, I really enjoy people who tweet about concerts as well. You know, like, I really like... I don't know, like I just feel like there is a, a certain extent where you do, there is a point where you want to, um, yeah, like respond in writing, you know, mm -hmm. and I just think it's so much fun when people do that publicly, I really like it, or in a blog, or yeah, I really mm -hmm. like it. Yeah, that was, a, that was a cool show, I mean, the, the, uh, uh, both times he's been here that I've been to, I think it's only the two times, um, were both great, but that first one, it also had that really euphoric Kind of, that was one where all the balloons yeah. came down or whatever he's, at the. He's a good Christian. I like him. Like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. He's, you know, there's some, you know, but he's, he's, he's doing good work for God's work. He's doing damn yeah. good work for God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was pretty incredible. Mm. And, you know, like, he's someone who interests me as well just because of those, you know, I mean, that amazing project he had to write an album about. He was yeah. stayed in the, you well, know, and, you know. He gave that up pretty quickly. He um, would. But, yeah, you would. I know. Well, that, for a while there, those first couple of albums, or well, they weren't the first ones he did, but those first two that he did in that project, yeah, they came with this big backstory about, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> so everyone was going, oh, what's the next state going to be? And they were great albums. They were really great albums, and they were, you know, worth kind of returning to in that. But, yeah, just, like, how on earth would you continue that project? Yeah, I just don't think, yeah. I think what he's done is even better. Yeah, yeah, exactly, by just, just finding a whole... But he, you know, that's that thing too of he was actually approaching music as a short story writer. Mm, mm, mm. 
yeah. and that was what was quite incredible like when the, um, the most recent concert which is just you know I think I just cried my eyes out throughout mm. the whole thing you know he, there was an amazing interview with him might have even been Kim Hill where he was talking about the catharsis of that and how oh, yeah, the there is no Lowell, yeah um, the carry and yeah. and how there is no catharsis with it you know mm. like every night he relives it and every night there's still mm. no and I found that a very attractive idea mm. as an artist as well you know like this idea that you're writing yeah that there isn't there isn't always freedom in it often you are in a loop mm. which I found quite astounding yeah so let's go back to your let's go back to your um, I guess well, your timeline and in particular your sort of uh, discovery of, of words or, mm. and your discovery of your own interest in them and in manipulating them. So you you have you have a good time being a hairdresser. Yep. You have a good time doing that. You yep. don't always have a good time seeing the headless chickens, but you do it anyway. <laughs> and you and you sign up for university. Yep. Last a year there. Yeah. And then fuck that up. My whole life is really just fucking things up. Yeah. And then I went back to hairdressing and I hairdressed for a while and then I went to film school in um, Christchurch. So that was amazing. Like that was quite incredible. Um, I thought that what I wanted to be was a script supervisor, um, which is like continuity, which is just the best job ever. And just teaches you so much about story mm. I really like editing as well which I think teaches you heaps about story as well um, really wanted to be a script writer um, got to work with um, I did my main project on Sue McCauley who I just worship the ground that she works on walks on just think she's one of our best most amazing writers um, so yeah it was an incredible year and then finished there started working a little bit on TV and then saw there was like a poetry writing um, paper at Canterbury University mm. so went and did that and then got into university again and um, moved to Dunedin and went to university at Otago University and then came back to Wellington and did a library degree and then all this time you know like I'm um, trying to do as many writing papers as possible and um, I applied for the IIML three times and I got in on the third time and it was the most inappropriate time. I had a nine-month-old baby. Right. <laughs> she was so dumb. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I'd applied three times and knew I didn't get in. So there was, I just remember Brent coming home and I got the email and I just thought it was another rejection email because they all look the, yeah. they kind yeah, of look yeah. the same, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, <sighs> and, you know, like, I, and I just thought, oh, fucking, yeah, whatever. And um, put it away and then I read it again later and thought, oh, shit. And I just remember Brent came home and I just remember saying to him, is there any way we can make this work? And, you know, because he's... Um, an amazing person he just sort of said oh yeah we'll make it work so yeah and then yeah went up to IAML what was your what was your kind of um, focus when you were in that course writing wise my focus were you short stories by then yeah yeah short and stories entirely then. short stories so yeah. you're basically working towards the first book yeah, I didn't but, uh, see it like that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, um, I sort of went in. Um, <laughs> I had this hilarious thing where on the first day they went around the circle and everyone was, not everyone was saying this, but a lot of people were sort of saying things like, um, oh, I thought this might be fun to do, so I applied and I got it. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I tried three times. Yeah. You know, and um, so, like, I, um, I arrived with quite a few short stories and I just thought, oh, this is da-da-da, you know, and... Mm. Um, then now I don't I don't want to 
I'm not sure if Damien remembers this the same way as I do, so I'll just say my version of it. But my memory is that my first meeting with Damien Wilkins, he sort of said to me, you got in on this paragraph. You know what I mean? Like right. I sent in a 12-page application, <laughs> yeah. and it was like this paragraph I was interested in. And I was like, oh, sort of hiding all my other short stories, you know, thinking, just oh, shit, okay. And he said to me, yeah, I, I think you need you you have no idea what your voice is. No one knows what your voice is. Don't start by writing short stories. Start by writing scenes. So where everyone out, a lot of other people had sort of bought in novels and, you know, were told to keep going and you know mm. that. I just I was like in sort of um, remedial story writing. I think <laughs> like and um, then yeah it was and it was the best thing that could have happened like mm. because I sort of I had this weird thing where about would have been about two months and I just hit on this thing that I wanted to write about and it just came out in this weird way mm. that seemed right and all of a sudden I'd found something, you know mm. what I mean? And so I'm just so grateful that Damien didn't go, let's try and make it work or, you know, I'm just so grateful to Damien for that, like that he was brave enough to sort of yeah. say, you're not going to get a book by the end of this. You know, and mm, like mm. that's what I really loved. I feel very grateful as well. Is it, when I did my PhD, it was like this as well. Is that it? It's I think it's changed. I don't know if it has changed up there, but like the sorts of things Damien would say to me are things like, "This is the one year you don't have to worry about publication." You know, like this is a free. Mm, mm. This is a time to play and experiment and mess up and you know, like you've got this. Mm, find out who you are. Find, find out, out who your you voice. are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like that's. I feel really grateful for that. Like that's. That's what I spent the year doing was just mm. sort of, and also kind of, I've always said refining my taste, but that sounds really wanky, but I think what it was more than that, it was just like knowing where to go for what I needed, you know, like knowing who wrote fantastic third person past tense, knowing, you know, what I enjoyed in narrative arc, mm. finding out, you know, that kind of thing. And that was, you know, Damien was a huge help for that as well because, you know, he's read so much and so widely. So, yeah, that was, yeah, so I, that was the focus. I've talked to a few people on the podcast um, that have <laughs> been in, in, in through the IIML and done some version. I'm not sure if I've talked to any that were in the same year as, as you, but... Um, it was an amazing year. Yeah, who was who? Well, what was um, exciting about it? Who was in it? What Eleanor, came from it? Eleanor Catton. Was oh yeah. Like yeah, Did she amount so, to anything? Yeah, she was. She did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, Ellie was amazing, and I think I learnt so much off her. Um, yeah. Um, Lawrence Patchett was in there. Um, uh, I'm just looking around the room. Sarah, um, Sarah, ba- um, Sarah Jane Barnett was in the other class. I right. Think. Yeah. Or yeah. Maybe not. But Sarah Bainbridge, who is an amazing writer, she's just written this incredible YA book, but also she's an amazing essayist. Um, I'm just looking around the room. Now my mind's gone blank as Mm. usual. But, you know, like it was an amazing year. Chloe Lane was in it as well. So, like, at the end of the year, there was this absolute energy around... um, some of them rented a warehouse down um, in town. Um, Hugh and Cry started, you know, like it was mm, just. Mm. And of course, Ali, it was just amazing to sort of yeah. see what was happening to Ali, and we yeah. were just like, oh my god, this is so good and so deserved and fucking amazing. And yeah, it was, it was a very. And we started meeting, you know, like um, we started meeting as a workshop really quickly after that. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we still do. Like yeah. we meet. 
I think we met about four weeks ago. We're meeting on the like a um, like one of those good antenatal classes that yes, becomes like a parenting exactly. group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that was. Well, exactly. so I've heard. Didn't yeah. didn't happen with our one, but mm, I can't. I think it happened with ours. I think it did happen with ours, but they've all gone overseas mm, now. Mm. But yeah, um, yeah, it, it was just it was just amazing, and just things like someone would say, "Oh, these people look like they're taking submissions," and you know, like it was it was like a community. It was amazing. It was mm. really really good. It was amazing. Mm, mm. Still is, you know. Still is. So you um, discover this. I mean, you're not the first writer to come at this, and I don't think you do it as any sort of shtick at all, but you have this kind of open-ended, unresolved thing as a thread that goes through your yep. you know, your work, <laughs> like your, your stories and novels. And um, I wonder, and but you managed to do it, you know, differently each time it's what's that it's not a sh- I don't think it's don't know about that well I don't think it, I don't think it's any sort <laughs> of stick at all um how I mean I, I you know particularly with new animals I, and I remember feeling like this a, a little bit with the short stories too but particularly with new animals like I feel like I'm reading what could almost be a script for a documentary that hasn't happened mm. in parts then obviously you know without spoiling it things get a little bit more fantastical as that book goes on but certainly for the first half it's almost like yeah it's almost like you're writing a documentary mm. treatment mm. as much mm. as anything so I wonder how you kind of um fell in on this voice or this device well yeah it's a really good I mean it's all because of you know I I um I was just looking up there you've got a lot of Chuck Paul and Nick and you know like the first sort of adult um you know, writing I fell in with was, you know, like I read Fight Club and mm. you know, I read um, um, Invisible Monsters and I was just like, holy shit, you know, like Invisible the way... Invisible Monsters was good, eh? Oh, I love it. I haven't actually, I mean, the most of those ones up there I think I haven't read <laughs> uh, yet, although I have two copies of Invisible Monsters for some Rant reason. and amazing. Yeah, I've read a bit of Rant. Um, I have read, I've actually got rid of the ones I have read, like yeah, Fight yeah, Club and stuff, you know, way, yeah. move them on, yeah. so... But yeah, no, I do, you know, and I loved his um his non-fiction, his two non-fiction <sighs> his books. Non-fiction his non-fiction books, it's a bit like the Sufjan Stevens yeah. stuff. I want him to go back to that, yeah, you know, yeah. like those, if, if uh, there was suddenly another album about a state in America, whilst, I, underst- whilst I understand he's <laughs> abandoned that, if there suddenly was, I would love that, just like I'd love a new non-fiction book yeah, yeah. from Because that's what happened with, you know, yeah. like I got onto him and then he wrote this amazing article about um, Gordon Lee. Mm. And then he and then I started getting interested in sort of disciples of Gordon Lish and mm-hmm. then um, you know Amy Hempel is one of those mm. and you know there's there's a lot of them and like I started being really interested I guess they're kind of modernists and of course you know David Foster Wallace has to hit in there you mm. know like but I just think what happened for me everyone's is got mixed that, feelings about him now oh, that's re- <laughs> that's read him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I was really interested in these ideas of you know like I just read so many short stories and like I just one thing I really love at the end of a short story and I think I think it may be Damien that sort of refined this in me is that I love a short story that finishes in a way that opens the story back up again. Mm. I, I have a lot of trouble with an ending that sort of parcels it up as a little book and, you know, a little mm, box mm. and says, there you go, and puts a bow on it. Like, mm, mm. I really, um, you know, like, um, I was just, you know, people like Grace Paley and, you mm. know, like, 
those really amazing um, Laurie Moore, you know, like this idea that the ending just opens up. Mm. Um, when I, as a kid, I remember watching, I used to watch a lot about old Hollywood, and um, there was a movie which started with a, a shot of um, a typing pool, and then it went in on one person and followed that person around and then lifted out at the end to, you know, her walking down the street in a shot of New York City and like that's I think that's the only shape I know for a narrative right, yeah, it's yeah. like here's the big yeah. here's the small that person just leaks in to be unimportant again mm. you know like I really I reckon yeah. um, I don't know if you've you, you've what you think of them or if you've read much of them but I always feel very hesitant talking about um, Charles Bukowski these days because oh, I was so so yeah. big into him and I've kind of I feel like I've moved through that but I actually think his short stories do what you were just talking yeah. about and I think in some ways that's actually the form that he was best at yeah. was the short story like his novels yeah. are interesting kind of fake memoirs and obviously there's some great poems that are essentially short stories mm. but his actual dedicated short stories have that open-endedness yeah. about them and, and and that's I think you know as a kid one of my most um it's a memory that I think I don't understand how memory worked but it just seemed like this very formative moment when we were driving over the harbour bridge once and I looked in a car next to me and I saw someone in that car and I thought they know nothing about me and mm. care nothing about me mm. and I know nothing about them and like I just remember having this massive existential crisis over that and just thinking god the world is weird yeah and I think that is what I've always been writing towards you know what I mean like I feel like I've often been writing towards that <laughs> just had to Bowie is so that. great. I love this dog so much. <laughs> He's pretty well behaved. You're awesome, Bowie. Um, so, so you spend the you spend the year there, and you mm -hmm. you obviously love it so much. You end up doing a PhD. <laughs> you know, you don't get chewed up and spat out at all. You you're connected with the other people in the class. Mm. Good things start happening mm. for them as well. Mm. So you become pretty. Um, tapped into the scene like you're part you know you're part of and the other thing I was thinking finishing your book what the new book was um the other thing I was thinking about it again with regards to winning the the, the Occam is that you're you know if uh if someone heard the headline and hadn't read the book they might do that cliche kind of oh yeah just another Wellington yeah. writer from the, and I'm sure you've had yeah. and heard versions of this already. Yeah. Just another Wellington writer from the treadmill, blah blah blah, and all that sort of shit. But um, you know, you're you're writing in such a way that's so far beyond what people's understanding is of people that come out of that. You know, unless they've actually read it. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I find it's real interesting. Um, yeah, I just, I just think that I, I know, I, I know I'm gonna end up sounding like a convert or a, I don't know what you call it, a possible for it. Yeah, but a I disciple. Just think, disciple, yeah. But what happens there is so different to what I think people yeah. think happens. You, totally. know, you well, know. I, I know a little bit. I don't yeah. really. I haven't been there, but I know enough people that have. But like, what, what tends to happen is that the whole, the whole co-papa of the places to help you write the mm. book that you can write you know so of course it becomes so different and you only have to look at the staff that are up there like Emily is like a million miles from Damien Wilkin mm, who's a million mm. miles from Chris Price who's a million miles from um, da, um, Ken you know and like mm. I just think... And then Bill, when he was yeah, there, yeah, different Bill, again. I yeah. mean, yeah. And, yeah. and I don't know, maybe I have been brainwashed, but I just think that um, I... Yeah, I found the year... 
you know, at times frightening and at times frustrating. And sometimes I feel frustrated now about it and, you know, stuff like that. But I just think, yeah, like, I mean, I've just been so... It's continued to introduce me to exciting mm. new writers as well. And, you know, like, I try... Yeah, I try... I'm really interested in, like, communities, plural, in, in Wellington, because I think I think there are people that have been there but are very much in different scenes. I think... Mm. I, I fucking love Wellington for that. You know, like, there does seem to be... You know, and often they're sort of around amazing things like, you know, like literary journals or around um, publishing companies. Mm. You know, people are publishing mm. their own shit. And, mm. like, I just think it's so good, you know. And, like, there's, you know, even something like... Um, you know, down at Meow, you know, they still have a monthly poetry evening. There's an open mm. mic. Mm. You know, it's an exciting place to go. Spoken word's really big here. Um, you know, like, there's things like Regenerate magazine, you know, but there's also Sweet Mammalian, and, um, you know, and then you've got um, Brian and, um, uh, you know, um, Brian and Lawrence and Gibson. Mm. You know, like, there's just... It just seems like this real mess of... Um, just different influences and different styles and everybody kind of hangs out together because mm. I think that's the other great thing about Wellington is that we're kind of squashed in in a way like we live a mm. long way from mm. each other but really if you want to see some writers you're probably all going to have to go to the same place because yeah, you know? like, yeah, yeah. we used to we used to laugh about that in Auckland like you know with the band scene like there could be two two gigs on and the audience would be split, you yeah, know, like, yeah. whereas, you know, when you go to Dunedin, there's one a night and yeah. you go and there's maybe one band you want to see and four you don't. And yeah. and yeah, I just think, I don't know, like, I think Wellington's a great place for that. It's just, it's just so good. Yeah. Did it have, I, 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 I guess the IIML has had a big impact on you too, in terms of you have become a, uh, not just a writer, but a writing educator. Mm, mm. And and is that where the seeds for that, you know, can you talk a bit about um, what you do in that regard and I guess how that came about? Because it, it strikes me it's about you, A, being a, being a fan yeah. of, of writing and, yeah. and people who do it, but also wanting to give something back to it because of yeah. what you've taken from it. Yeah, I think that's really true. Like, um, I'm talking about the podcast yeah. as well as, as, as yeah. your actual writing, teaching stuff. Yeah. So if you want to talk about those things. Well, like um, education was really big for me right when I was hairdressing, I, I did a bit of a stint as sort of a product educator, and then I was a, a an educator at a hairdressing um, college and stuff like that. Like it's always been mm -hmm. something I've sort of leaned towards. Um, I don't know why, and I'm not sure I'm that good at it. But and then so what happened was I I trained as a librarian, and I had two exceptionally good jobs out of library school. I worked for ACC, and then I worked for the TVNZ archive, which was just the best job I think I've ever had. And like. So, and then when Tallulah was, um, you know, when, it, when I very quickly needed to start making money um, mm. after Tallulah w was, you know, of an age, um, the, the good kind of part-time-ish work was actually in teaching, um, was actually in teaching creative um, writing at Massey University. Mm -hmm. That's where I started. Mm. I started at Massey University. And then I guess... It's an interesting thing because I often, like, teaching makes me extremely um, anxious and nervous. Like, I'm not comfortable in a classroom, and I think that can be a bit off-putting for some um, people that are in my classroom. Um, but um, 
I've sort of painted myself into a corner where that's what I do now. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think, you know, I was out at um, Ramataka Prison this morning and, yeah. you know, that's another sort of um, thing that I do and I really love it out there. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I... I just the thing that I'm most grateful is that I remember Damien explaining how a workshop works to me once and he said what it is is that there's no teacher in a workshop what it is is that everyone's having the same problems we're all writing we're all having the same problems it's just that we're not all having the same problems on the same day mm. and what your job is is very much that's why I you know feel weird about that word teacher he's like it's more a facilitation yeah, job yeah, yeah. you know it's making sure that Jim gets a chance to say I had trouble with the characters in this and mm. then Mike gets to say, oh, um, my workshop, my imaginary workshop is full of that white guy from your um, writing workshop. But, you know, like, the um, yeah, so, and I think that's something I'm good at, you know, like, um, I can listen and I can ask, you know, like, mm. and I, I can observe and I think those are the skills that are way more important um, than perhaps any knowledge of writing and I think mm. that's why the podcast you know like the podcast came about because um I really enjoyed I got to chair a session at um writers festival and I loved it and I mm. just thought man there's so many of my friends that couldn't be here today for this because they're working or they've got kids or and I just thought wow with a podcast you can do it and then people can listen to it mm. anytime mm. and it, it seemed to sort of democratise that festival experience. And were you were you a fan of podcasts or did you become one through doing one? Oh, no, I was a really big fan I, of podcasts. Yeah, I, just, I thought you were because I'm just, sure we'd talked about, yeah. we've shared a few different yeah. ones over the years <laughs> and stuff. And I, I was going to say, I thought your your entry into it is probably similar to mine and in in, in just in that regard mm. that you like you've been researching, you've been listening to a few or you already were and then you fall into the case of like wanting to do it as well. Um You've managed to with yours. I mean, people know what they're going to get. If they're not interested in hearing writers talking about books, they might as well not listen to your yeah. podcast, right? Yeah. Unless yeah. they unless they happen to know and like you, even if they're not interested in writing. Those are the only reasons. Yeah. Those are the only reasons to, to listen to. So that's handy because people know. But within that, you manage to do an awful lot. Like you will um, talk to an author about a brand new book that they've just released you will talk to an author about some old classic book that you either both know and love or one of you knows and one of you is just getting introduced to. But you'll also record like literary events, like mm. you say, like panel discussions. Mm. Um, mm. You'll feature things that have happened and you're sort of archiving them for mm. anyone that, I mean, that I, I think it's the most recent or the one of the most recent episodes is your conversation you had with Kirsten about your book yeah. at, at, at Unity Books yeah. a couple of weeks ago, which I popped in for and, you know, and, and really enjoyed. But I ran away at the end because um, I had to go, I had to disappear. Mm. But also, I, I my cue was when she said, um, should we talk about the ending? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm finished. And so I dashed out. And then um, I was stoked to see that it was going to be on your podcast because yeah. I was like, I'll listen back to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, now that I've actually, you know, read the book, I'm, I don't imagine you touched on too much that would have really ruined it for me, but it's nice to, it's nice for me to be able to have that to revisit down the track. Yeah. So you have all these different angles on essentially one theme, one topic, books yeah. and reading and writing, Yeah. but you've managed to, and you've done 50 
yeah. plus episodes. Yeah, because it all started with I had this theory that every book's about um, books. Like it was so dumb. Mm. I finished um, Bolaño. I just saw you have that over there as well. Two six six six. Oh, and yeah. Katie, fin- Katie's read that, not me. Oh. I haven't. I, one day I will. It is so good. It's just yeah. It's one of my. I just fucking love that book. But yeah, yeah. I got it's pretty the, challenging, right? Like oh yeah. A lot there's, of people. There's a lot of hideous yeah. violence in it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's very scary. But um, there's. There's a um, there's a criminal in there that I kept thinking this is a writer it's a writer it's a writer and I started thinking maybe all books are about books and about writing and that's and that's when I got that idea and and also just through listening to other podcasts it seemed to work this is totally pragmatic and um, awful but like it seemed to work if people had two ways into the podcast yeah, either. Yeah. The, the person I was talking to was interesting or mm. they the knew subject. the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. so, like, that was sort of where we got to. Um, I think it wasn't very successfully done. Like, we were about 20 down and Brent said to me, have you ever thought that maybe you should give a little pricey of the book that you're talking about? I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck, that's such a good idea. I'm such an idiot. What an idiot! You know, and, um, but, yeah, it, it, I just... Um, I just really, I don't know, I get so much out of podcasts. There's a podcast at the moment that I listen to, which David Nyman puts together. It's called Between the Covers. And I'm using that as a masterclass at the mm, moment. Like right. I sit, the first time I listen through when I'm walking the dog or doing stuff like that, and the second time I sit down with a pen and paper and listen because mm. I just think you can just learn so much, you know. Mm. And, um, yeah, we've got so many talented writers in Wellington and, you know, there's only so much airway on radio yeah. New Zealand yeah, or yeah, yeah. You know, TV and stuff like that so I, I just yeah I really enjoy it a lot I think it, if I could do anything full time I think it would be that you know, yeah. I, I wish it was that yeah yeah same yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 no, no I know the feeling um, the, did you ever listen do you know Johnny Potts did you listen yeah. to his year of reading massively because that's where the Bolaño came from so yeah. <laughs> he did that he did a year of Reading and it was a bit like you going into the IIML with a nine-month-old baby. I think. I think. Oh yeah. He his baby was just about to be born, yeah. or had just been born when he started this <laughs> thing of reading a seven hundred plus page book every month for a year. Yeah. So Katie did the Bolaño for his podcast. Oh, let's listen. I and didn't realize. Yeah, I don't know who else did it, but it was two people each time, and I did um, the Norman Mailer Executioner's song. Oh my god, so I think that's, that's fantastic. somewhere up there and right up the top. And um, so I did that one, and that was a ama- like that was a ama- it was such an amazing experience getting given this giant. You know, and I had ages. I think mine was one of the last ones, and I knew about it sort of eight mm. months in advance. Mm. But you were supposed to read it in the month mm. only, you know, uh, leading up to it. And uh, I don't say this as, a, as any sort of boast, but I think I read that book in about six days, yeah. and it's about 1,100 pages, yeah. and for me that's pretty awesome because it was just so good. I just could not. Um, and, and I think about that book a lot, and, I, you know, and I've only read... I think three Norman Mailer books, mm. you know, and he, he, you know, he's a problematic guy, and I like a lot of stuff about him and a lot of his work, but, but, and there's more I do want to read, but that was just a an absolute masterpiece. It's really interesting, big books. Like I um, it was such I, a good idea, Johnny's podcast. He's, you know, and he's, he's such <laughs> a great guy as yeah, well. Like yeah. he's got, he's just such a clever, you know, intelligent, yeah. funny, awesome guy. Yeah. I listened to him and Ridian talking about something. I can't remember what it was. 
yeah, I can't remember anything about that year at all. But and I mean, that's the other great thing is that they're all sitting there. Mm. You know, like you can yeah, yeah, go to back them, and find them, which yeah, is yeah. so great. But, and because it, there were a few of them where I was like, oh, I don't want to listen just yet because I haven't quite finished that book. Yeah, you know, but um, yeah, oh, I get Johnny people, is so amazing. I get yeah, we had a good chat for this podcast a while back. Yeah, and I get people say, oh, you should talk to you know blah blah blah. And I go, oh, yeah, I did. Uh, it was, you know, two years ago. Yeah. And they go, oh, great. You know, I'm going to find that. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's the same with everyone. It's all there. It's, I just love it so it's much. It's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. such a, um, like, I, I, it was really great because to start off with, I was thinking, oh, it needs to be flash and it needs to yeah. be this and it needs to be that. And I met this incredible woman from um, America um, who was like, she was working in Australia doing audio storytelling. And like, what she said to me is that she used to make zines and now she makes podcasts. And like, the minute I started thinking of it as a making thing mm. and not a mm. producing thing, yeah. it just, I just thought, yeah, and and just that thing where you put it out there, and those who want to listen, listen; those who don't want to listen, yeah, don't yeah, listen. Yeah. And yeah. and and it is a really nice archive. Like I was just, you know, Brent was saying that the other day. You know, like not not trying to think that I do anything important, but it's really nice that it's captured some of those things. You yeah. know, it captured um, Sarah Jane Barnett's book, um, yeah. um, Poirot People's Library. Um, when we did that in Porirua, we've got that. You know, like there's there's a rebel press. You know, rebel press burnt down in the states, and we had a um, fundraiser for it here. Yeah, yeah. That. So yeah, I think I think I don't know. No, totally. Why not? <laughs> Who was that? Um, you know, I have these mind blanks too, like you were talking about before. Who's that poet, Bill? Um, not Bill Nelson. Yeah, Bill yeah, Nelson. Yeah, yeah. You know, put me onto his book, which I loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a great book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's about he's about to go away. We're gonna miss yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, you know, I was just sort of. I only just realised last weekend that I've been doing this podcast for three years and I didn't, you know, I didn't really quite know that until it came up. And I, you know, every now and then I'm not, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but every now and then I think, oh, it's so great that, that I've captured these, mm, mm. you know, conversations with people. Yeah. It's, it's good for them. It's good for me. And it's, and it's hopefully good for whoever's yeah. listening. And it is, I think also the other thing I was really interested in is, um, just those different avenues to literacy, you know, like I yeah, think, um, yeah. yeah, I think sometimes that thing you're saying about that idea of the idiot box, you mm. know, like, I mean, you know, people are getting narrative fixed, <clears throat> you know, from video games and movies and TV and, you know, like, and I think that podcasts are nice because they sort of mean, you know, like I can't often... I'm not the best, I have a little bit of trouble reading and like it's hard for me to sit down with like a massive New Yorker article mm. but you know it's really easy for me to sit down and listen to someone intelligent talking about something you know mm. that, that works for me and I think yeah I, I think I'm really grateful for that as mm. well yeah. Mm. yeah. So you publish a book of short stories Yeah. and it's I mean I read it uh, I don't know how much after it came out but a wee bit like a year or two and um how was it well received? Um, Do you remember? Yeah, I remember because I because I'm an egotist and a narcissist. So yeah. I remember you know exactly. Um, the shorthand term for that is writer. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Phew, phew. <laughs> um, yeah. It came out and um, it got. Um, yeah, it got some really bad reviews. Mm. Like, um, really. Well, I wondered this only because of your conversation with Kirsten. Yeah. You know, yeah. sort of touched yeah. on the fact that. 
you're not a stranger to... No, not yeah, a stranger to... To polarising critics and yeah, to, yeah, um, to bad reviews. And it was really... I think what was quite hard about it is that, um, you know, like I think a few first books are like this, but it was quite autobiographically kind of... Um, you know, there, a lot mm. of it was based on autobiography. And, like, um, yeah, and and a few people were sort of saying things like, you know, the characters in this book are horrible. Yeah. You know, they're all drug addicts and they're this and they're that. And I was kind of like, oh, they're kind of also me. Um, so it was this weird situation where, um, you know, and and um, I was surprised by that. I didn't, I didn't expect it to... It, it, I think it made a lot of people angry. Like, I had a woman come up to me at a reading. There's a story. The first story in there is about... Um, giving birth to a child and um, she said to me oh you made childbirth sound awful childbirth's a beautiful thing and you shouldn't be saying shit like that and I was like oh okay and my friend was with me and she said to her oh was childbirth beautiful for you and she said no that's beside the point but you know and like people were very angry and would approach me Mm. with that anger as well kind of um, in the street and things so it was really interesting. It was really strange, and and like also in the back of my mind was just this horror. Um, it, my grandmother always used to say this thing that if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And like I was just thinking, mm. fuck, I've made the world worse. You know, like I made you know I put this horrible thing into the world with this clickbait with, with yeah, this clickbait title. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we hope for. Um, yeah, and uh, I, actually when they decided on the title, I remember Bill saying in this very dry way, oh, that's a gift for reviewers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, like, but, um, but yeah, so, and then, of course, it, it won Best First Book, mm. and that got everyone angry again, yeah. and yeah, so it was an interesting thing, you know, like, there were supporters of the book, I mean, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. You know, there were yeah, definitely of supporters of the book, yeah. but it was a really, it wasn't, I think in my head I thought, I'll publish a book and everything will be great, you know, yeah, and yeah. that's not really how life works, I don't think. You um, you said something that I thought was really profound in the Unity Books uh, talk. You basically said, uh, it was so profound I can't remember it, I'm uh, going to para- paraphrase it badly, great. but you basically said that um, essentially you're allowed to be a little bit indulgent writing these books because you know you you are really doing them for yourself you're not you're not making loads of money off them you're not being paid full-time to do them so and when I say you you're talking like for any writer that that should be a thing am I right that's sort of roughly what you were saying I think what I meant was that um it's a real gift, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I do have friends that write um, for money, you know, like, mm, need mm, to write mm. with an audience in mind. And, sure. You know, my brother um, is a musician, and, you know, like, some of his work means that he's thinking about an mm, audience, mm. you know, and stuff like that. And I think that the, the thing is that it's an absolute freedom mm. that no one's waiting for the next, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And, that, yeah. and I do think, and the thing is as well that, I've read a lot of books on how to write, you know, like before I went to the IAML, I was, you know, you would read anything Mm. about it. And they often used to talk about thinking about your audience. And I just could not imagine Mm. who I was talking to except me, you know? Mm. And, um, so yeah, I think, I think it is really indulgent. Like I write to make myself not, I mean, and you've got to be careful about that as well, because Mm. writing is a weird mistress, you know, like, um, you know, like it doesn't make me happy all the time, Mm. but I don't know. I really liked... I think it was Alice Munro said, some people knit and some people do Sudoku, and she writes. Mm. And I kind of like that as an idea. You know, like, I like... I like 
sort of puzzling things out and working out how they go and why is that not working and you know that's the work that I really enjoy no, mm. not so much and you know I can be really indulgent about that because yeah like I say once those people had sort of said you know especially after the second book it was very clear that I wasn't important. People thought that I'd been elevated because of my association with IIML. You know, they thought that I wasn't very good. And so it was this massive unburdening where mm. I was just thinking, and of course, because that book was received badly, I thought I'd never get anything published again. So it's this magnificent freedom, you know, of just working thinking, on a building yeah, was received badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, it was just this amazing just this amazing freedom of getting back to what writing was actually about. You know, writing wasn't about, mm. yeah, being published or being Gaining accolades, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was about just doing the work. Sort but, of. you know, I, you know, there are people that love working on a building, obviously. Yeah. There are people that really love it. Strange it's, people. It, it, <laughs> you know, so um, how do you, you know, how have you learned to, I guess interact with process acknowledge shoulder reviews yeah um well ignore um, whatever like really good like this is what i found really interesting is that people did contact me about that book mm. and just say wow i really loved how you did that and really got the book you know what mm. i mean and mm. like um what do i do um i remember when the last review or it was one of the last reviews came out for the short story collection and I got Brent to read it, and I said, do I want to read it? And he said, no. Mm. And I said, is it bad? And he said, they called you humorless, which is the worst thing you can call <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like, I think humor is, you know, the, the arbiter of all things. And, um, yeah, and I, so that's kind of a lot how I do it now. I just yeah. think, you know, I, Kirsten is amazing up yeah, at yeah, um, yeah. VUP. Like, she'll send me an email and say, you don't want to read this one, or you do want to read this one. And I still read them. I, I find them interesting. Yeah, I was just – well, also, you find them or people people put them under your nose yeah. anyway, right? I, I've had, I have this conversation with a few people um, – because the same has happened for me, um, not just reviews of when I wrote a book, but also just like review, I guess reviews of me, like <laughs> commentary that has happened. Like you can't, you can't avoid it because it gets, it, it arrives in your inbox. You get tagged in it, no matter what. People, some people do that out of, I guess, a, a spite or a smugness, but some people do it out, out of a concern as mm, well. Hey, yeah. have you read this? Like, yeah. do you know that this person said this about you? And you know, you can't really, even if the even if the retraction email comes afterwards, you've already read. You know, like I just you, think I just find it like I think. I think reviewing's an art, and like I, th I think that's the other thing is that I see that review as a separate thing to me and a separate thing mm. to my writing. Mm. Like, you know, that's someone flexing a muscle. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's someone practicing their craft, and I should just leave it alone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I don't ever think, oh, that asshole or anything like that. You know, like, um, you know, I just think that hurts, you know, sometimes it hurts. And I think it was funny because I was talking to a friend and the things that hurt the most are often the things that you suspected about the book, you know, and yeah. feel like you might have got away with. Someone's picked on a weakness. Yeah, and basically. I just think, yeah, they're dead right and yeah. good on them for bringing it up. And, yeah. you know, like the, the thing that I find really hard is that often reviews in New Zealand aren't long, mm. so they can't get into that 
the problems, so you know you what I mean? You state a point and it ends up coming across as really yeah. flippant, yeah. borderline nasty, yeah. a, a slight personal attack yeah. because you don't have the word count to exactly. fully follow up on and it. And like, I would love to see Gosh, them. I've said that like I'm almost guilty of it. Oh, I, just, I, I think I probably am as well. But yeah, yeah, no, like, we all. I just, I just think, that's the thing. And the other thing I find hard is that there isn't a... There isn't an exchange, you know. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Don't, um, that's the thing I found the hardest was, like, it was funny. I was talking to Dominic um, Tui the other day. I don't think he'll mind me saying this, but he was sort of talking about that thing in hip-hop. Like, if someone said something about you, you mm. say something back. Mm, Whereas mm. in literature, it's almost seen as a weakness, you yeah, know. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. no, you know, don't. And, you know, that was the weird thing I found is that it often felt like someone was kind of smacking you on the back of the head and then running away. Mm, and you mm. didn't get to say, but, you know, yeah, yeah. actually, you know, like, and I just think, I, I think that I'd love to see a, some sort of discourse in New Zealand between critics and the people there you know like I think yeah. it could be really great and I also think I just think it would be great if there was more column space you know like mm, I just mm. think because there's some incredibly good writers and I've had incredibly mm. good writers write about my work and they haven't they haven't been the people that have always liked it yeah yeah and I just think it's such an amazing craft like I think criticism is such an amazing craft and I would just you know like there's one particularly bad review of my book which is just so well written you know like it's just it just cracks bad me as up in, bad oh, as didn't, in like it, it. didn't like it yeah book. didn't like the yeah, book yeah 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 it just cracks me up every yeah. time I read it like I, I actually sometimes read it just to <laughs> you know like it's got lines in it like who really wants to read about menopausal woman and I'm like okay maybe no one you know that's great and it just it's just such a great review yeah and it's just so acidic and cutting and yeah you know I just I, I just love it and uh, yeah I, I don't know I like it. Uh, when you said um, the comment about um, they called you humorless, like that made me think of um, when Katie released her book, like, you know, quite a while ago now. Um, I remember the day, I think the book had just come out or it was about to come out and say the Saturday before it might have got released on the, I think the book launch was on the Tuesday. And so the Saturday before was the oh, Dominion no. post review. And we, you know, we got, and this is, this is sort of when you bought the paper for reviews and they yep. might've appeared online a few days later yep. rather than how it's the complete opposite now, if, if it makes a paper at all. So I went down to the dairy and got the paper and opened it up. And I actually, I thought it was a pretty good, well-written review that it clearly did not like the book. Yeah. But the 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 headline was "Tis the season to be miserable," oh, and they no. had and they had um, they'd put her author photo in, you know, slap bang in the middle of the review and. <laughs> and it's so funny after something like that happens. That when just you've stuck got with it. her for yeah. you know for yeah. To this day, really, she just like went, you know, I'm not, you know, that that was just too much. The first review was that, and it would have been better if my photo wasn't there, or if it would have been better if the hit, if it wasn't that headline. I don't really care what the person thought of the book, but you know, I talked to a couple of people in the in the days after that, and they were like, or someone, one of my friends messaged me and was like, oh, Katie's book sounds fantastic. Like I read that really good review, and I was like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know if that review was that positive, and they were like. Made me want to read the book because it was, you know, and and you would identify with that. It was that thing? I mean, she's writing about like unlikable characters, yeah, you know, yeah. they're gross people, and so you're not going to get a happy, happy, joy review, are you? You're not going to say, read this; these people are amazing. This this writer that wrote this review couldn't handle how awful mm. the people were in this book. Yeah. Well, 
that's completely valid. And that's the thing I need to be really careful of as well, is that I've built this kind of um, mythology around me that I get mm. bad reviews. But mm. often people, I remember once um, getting an email, Lawrence Lawrence Fernley and I were in Auckland and I, we were out to lunch and I got an email saying, oh, bad reviews come in. And I said, oh, fuck, a bad reviews come in. And Lawrence read it and said, this isn't a bad review. You know, yeah, like, this yeah, is yeah. a fine review. You know, I like, wish I could get yeah, reviews I wish like I that. Could get, yeah, because Lawrence <laughs> yeah. hasn't always been kindly yeah. um, read either. Yeah. But, you know, and I think that's the thing is I've got to be really careful because yeah. I, I do start to think oh when in reality you know like I, I just yeah I just think it just doesn't matter as much as I think it matters you know like well mm. I don't think I do think it matters mm. I just think mm. it's kind of been of interest you know at the moment but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one that had this headline that said um um only disconnect you know that thing only connect and um that yeah i that came out the day before the launch and i had right. to stand up the next day and say this is you know my book you know <laughs> and like someone had just said well this is shit yeah. so it was kind of this weird thing and i guess i mean katie probably felt this you know this weird thing that sometimes you'll get really smashed and then have to stand up in front of people and yeah, say, yeah 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 oh, this is my book it's you yes. know and it just feels like oh you know like yeah. this horrible thing you know and yeah it's such a strange such a strange thing isn't it I honestly don't think about it as much as I'm talking about yeah 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 well so tell me about teaching uh, creative writing in the prison ah oh, it's great it's so great I love it I love it I love it um yeah so how uh, did that come about though um well I've been visiting prisons for about 24 years just sort of you know volunteering there and then about four or five years ago um the librarian at um well, she's a librarian for a lot of prisons. Mm. Um, she said that there were a few people that were writing and did, did you know, could I come in and start a creative writing um, class? So I went in by myself. Then I met up with William Brandt and we started going in together. And then Gigi was, Gigi Fenster was working out at Rumutaka. And we sort of just, you know, there was just all this sort of happening at the same time. So then we formed Right Where You Are, which is a... Um, trust you know like um, non-profit mm. and um yeah so we've just carried on doing that which has been really great i love it very good and um you the other thing I, I i love that you wrote in the in the new book i think it's in the in the acknowledgements as you talk about uh you, you basically thank the people you've worked for and worked with and and and, and talk about how important it is to have a job Fuck yeah. You know, as a writer, which <laughs> yeah. which is a little bit of a um, a recurring theme in this podcast. Like I think you yeah. know, it's, be it's becoming more and more that way. Like how important it is in New Zealand, particularly. I think the reality is you do creative work on the side. Mm. You you know, if mm. you want to survive both mentally and fiscally, you have the backstop of a day job mm. or you have a day job and your sideline is doing the things that interest mm. you yeah I, I remember um i i mean of course now i just sound like a hypocrite because i won yeah. the prize and got a lot of money and then yeah. i've just got some creative new zealand funding and got a lot of money as well which yeah. i'm incredibly grateful for it's just it's that weird thing where sometimes things come together like i've been applying for money yeah. to write a book for years and you know, well, i was going to say this is the this is one of the bad <laughs> i mean it's great there's transparency around um announcements yeah. of funding but one of the bad things is people read it yeah and they just go 
Uh, yeah. blah, 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 you know, and they don't they don't ever think what you just said that yeah. twenty years of yeah. <laughs> um, work, let alone applications, can go into this shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that you know you break it down to an hourly rate and a book <laughs> and a book advance or any funding is fucking absurd, really. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're not grateful to get it, but if you, that's why you don't do that, you don't sort of do a costing and go, oh well, cool, I actually. Actually made two dollars twenty an hour on that book, you know, because that's all it would be if that. Oh, two twenty. That would. That, I mean, that's something to aim for. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hope. Because um, I think I went to that course that I went to in um, Christchurch, that poetry course. Mm. I remember. I remember the guy that took that course saying the most important thing, the most important decision you'll ever make as a writer is what you do for money. And I think that 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 has really stuck with me. You know, like to find a job that mm. sustains you in a way that you can write and I mean mentally and mm. you know a job that'll give you that's why librarianship was so good because you were always serendipitously coming mm. into contact you know like mm. um I worked in a medical and a dental library for a long time and you were constantly coming in touch with stuff where you were like oh shit that's interesting mm. and like mm. I think it was a it was a single clip at TVNZ you know there were quite a few things that I would come across at TVNZ mm. that would um sort of you know, prompt me to write things and, and, you know, even just working in Avalon, that amazing building. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that is the thing, isn't it? And I think that's what's tricky about, um, well, it isn't actually, because I think that's why I'm lucky to work as far as, um, you know, um, like work with other writers mm. because you are I am constantly questioning myself and like you are often looking at other people through the lens of what you're having difficulty with you know like um you know at the moment you know I'm having a lot of difficulty with character so of course I'm reading everything thinking oh how did you do that and mm. why did you do, what's mm. not working there and what is working there and and I think that that is really useful mm. but you do miss that serendipitous stuff where you're sort of coming into contact with um you know, knowledge that you might, or experience that you might not normally. So I've had to find different ways of doing that, mm, you know. Mm. Um, and, you know, like, funny things, like, you know, just started, like, a Feldenkrais course and, you know, like, trying to get, you know, into mm. things that don't seem connected. But, yeah. So when you're not being a, a mother and... Um, a, a, I just a, saw Mother last night. Oh, I saw Margaret the night before and then watched Mother last night and I'm <laughs> just you like, love- oh! Did you love? Did you love Mother? I fucking loved it. Yeah, it holy was shit! The most amazing, visceral film experience for me, like in a big screen. I've had because I don't go to many big screen movies anymore. And I went to the pre, like some preview of that last year. It it was mind blowing. Aronofsky is my hero. Yeah, yeah, like, and I just the resp- I don't the response to it was incre- I like even incredible. Because I stayed away from. No, I mean in the theater. Oh, I mean because yeah. I. I didn't know, you know, quite how the turn that it was going to take, which was good. Yeah. Um, but the response in the theatre was incredible. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just is, is, that a, is there one of his that's called The Fountain? Yeah, yeah, because that's one of my favourite movies in the whole. Way. Yeah, and people are often like, "Wow!" The, but yeah, the, I found the. I, I probably, weird. I possibly <laughs> should watch it again, although I don't really want to. That's the one I, I, I kind of didn't get into, but I. I do love the score from that, mm. like because the, um, the score is amazing to that. And so the sound that was, and yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was actually why I watched the fountain yeah. was because I'd heard the music and I, you know, I just love him so um, much. No, so, so you're a you're you're yes, a mother and you're mother, you know you're a, you're a um, <laughs> you're a, a teacher, a yep. podcaster, yep. Um, 
and you That's have all. you have jobs to do <laughs> and responsibilities. You're you're one half of a partnership that runs a household. Yeah. When you're not um, <laughs> sitting on your new giant big pile of cash. Yeah. Like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> Swimming in the vat. Um, what are you working on? Is the fourth book already in oh, yeah. far more than embryonic yeah. shape? The best advice Fergus Barrowman ever gave me was to always start a book before you'd finished a book. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, well, what he actually said was it was a good idea to start, how did he put it, to start the third book before you finish the difficult second book, I think mm-hmm. that's what he said. And like that... I sometimes do that because it's a bit of a reward, you know, because those last stages can be really done. So, yeah, I'm working on a book that's set in Invercargill, which is where my people are from. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's dealing with the sex industry and it's dealing a lot with the idea of care, like um, caring for people and those people that are in those professions, the mm. caring for professions. So, yeah, it's um, it's got a little... At the moment, there's a little bit of um, sort of technology in it which is um yeah so I'm reading a lot I've I've started learning how to write code which is really interesting to try and get behind that Mm. kind of um maybe artificial intelligent kind of logic and um yeah so it's um I'm really enjoying it I, I I mean it's that interesting thing like I now have you know money to work on that but of course there are a few loose ends with jobs and stuff Mm. so I'm still just writing it very short snatches of time trying to get at least 500 words done a day and the what I'm writing I think is just me telling myself what the book's about at the moment mm-hmm. like it's not it's not a draft or anything like mm. that it's just I just love that's the other thing I love about writing is that it surprises me like you make up these imaginary people and mm. you set them in motion and they don't behave the way you think they're going to and I just I fucking love that like that it's just so magic it's just so magic well you've like New Animals is a novel but it almost feels like in terms of the way you've um, placed it on the page with no chapters no no page breaks <laughs> a little bit of I, I was thinking and I don't know how obvious this is but it just feels like a giant big story which mm. at the end of the day is all a novel is yeah. really right yeah. like it's just and it's like a giant big yeah, short story. I, I maintain that I don't know how to write a novel, and I'm mm. really interested with this one to to learn. Like, um, you know, if you think about it, the first novel was a whole bunch of fragments, short mm. stories. Um, mm. New animals largely is, um, you know, like it takes place in one day because mm. I don't know how to do leaps in time. <laughs> and so, like, I was reading something the other day, and I was like, oh my goodness, you know, like because that's how they did that. That's, that's novel, you know. I can't even remember what I was reading. It was, you know, like because I do often read books. That yeah. Are, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dense, but yeah. this one they sort of went they were like you know the next month Jim and we'd been talking about yeah, Joan yeah, and yeah. I was like holy shit how'd, how'd they That's do that amazing you know and I still <laughs> so I think I think that often my work does just read like one big story and that's I'm really interested to find out you know, like, I can't hold a whole novel in my head. That's mm. the other thing. I think mm. that's why I go to film and television, mm. because three hours it of film, yeah, yeah, I can hold that in my head. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, like, to think about something like Bellagio, well, I mean, 2666 is a series of books, but yeah. to hold how those structured and work together is just impossible. Mm. So, I don't know, if anyone can tell me how to write a novel. And that's the other thing, is it's very hard to go somewhere and learn how to write a novel. Mm. You know, I think probably a long course is the only place you've got the opportunity to do well, that. 
Will you return to short stories in terms of like a, a collection of them again, do you think? Um, well, that's what's really interesting is with the new animals, I was looking through a file the other day and I got a lot of short stories published while that was going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that was um, that was escape because that wasn't working mm. and it was like, ah, mm. you know, and um, and just I just think it's really important to balance short and long because otherwise I forget how to finish things. Well, I thought of like the the mention of the TV show Friends in there, like oh, you yeah. had written about. Yeah, oh, I love that story so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, it was uh, yeah. I wrote that for Food Hall and um, yeah, I I do. I mean, Food Court. Sorry, Food Court. Ah, oh, sorry, Jackson and Kara. Um, but yeah, I um I love a short story and I love like I one of my favorite things that I wrote last year was this um I'm really interested. I think short fiction almost more than anything has that interesting thing for me and I don't think all writers are like this. I think people write amazing novels of auto fiction, but I'm really interested in this idea of what happens when you present truth as fiction and when you present fiction as truth mm. and stuff like that and mm. um I was um, I wrote this story last year that I really enjoyed writing, which was it was completely based on a real event, <clears throat> and um, I didn't change any of the names, and it was just it was just this really interesting thing about what does a story look like, mm. and, you know? Like I'm really interested in Sheila Heaty and writers like that, and um, you know Chris Krause, and you know like what mm. is, what does it look like? And mm. I think short and you, I mean you do it as well, amazingly. But like I am really interested in what happens with. Short. I I feel like short fictions where I do a lot of that experimenting, mm. maybe rather than novels. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, we are. Well, are you going to go and pick? I'm going to go pick my kid up. That sounds like a good Should idea. We do that? I, I don't have to pick my kid up today. <laughs> oh, lucky. Well, I'm going to go and do that. But that good. Um, I'm so glad you finally, we finally sat down and did this because we've sort of done versions of this on, I know. On, uh, up at the school and <laughs> online for many years. But um, it, 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 I did want to stress that it didn't take you winning an award. You oh, know this no, to, to come on that. to come on the podcast, <laughs> but obviously that's a nice talking point to to have started and finished with. So, um, you know, I I love um, your work and I love talking to you and having you in the neighbourhood. So thanks for oh, thank thanks for being you. on the podcast. I was just thinking, I was thinking when you were talking about how we first knew each other. I first yeah. knew of you when you wrote the review of Damien's first album. And, oh, right. Yeah, and yeah, I okay. thought, man, yeah. this guy can write. I really, oh, wow. I really, okay. I really like writing about music, and you're awesome. And thank you for having me over. I appreciate it. He was a born into a heart. Stretched naked.